0: You're listening to the Around the Lens podcast, the home of high-quality, roundtable, visual journalism discussion about the news, topics, and gear related to our career field. Now, here's the host of
1: our show, David J. Murphy.
2: Hello, and welcome to episode 232 of Around the Lens. I'm your host, David J. Murphy. Uh, joining me this week are a whole host of a full panel, full panel of visual journalists here to talk about all the stuff that's going on within the week. Just so you're aware, I'm a freelance visual journalist based out of South Korea, and Around the Lens is a uh, weekly show where each week a group of visual journalists get together to talk about all the things going on, on in around our industry. Our weekly regular panelists this week are Travis W. Keys, a freelance photographer and chairman of APA New York, based out of New York. Hello, Travis. Hey,
1: what's going on, guys?
2: Not much. Are you doing all right? You survived the 4th of July yeah. weekend?
1: I mean, lots of fireworks. The neighbors went crazy, and all that. I think just because they couldn't go anywhere else, uh, everybody seemed around me, did their own personal fireworks display for the last three days, so that was something else. <laughs> smart, smart. Uh, joining us all the way from
2: Hawaii, Mr. Ronald Hamilton, a broadcaster fra- with Eagle Broadcasting Corporation, uh, where it's, what, 3 a.m. or 4 a.m.?
3: Uh, it's currently 3 a.m. in the state of Hawaii there, David.
2: Oh. And the weather? Okay. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, sunny and warm.
2: <laughs> Perfect. All right. Uh, and, of course, our third regular co-host joining us all the way from Washington, D.C. is Miss Evelyn Hochstein, freelance photojournalist based out of Washington, D.C. Hello, Evelyn. How are you? I'm
4: good. Good morning, everybody. Yeah. Good, good morning.
2: You Did you say... S- did you did you watch the uh, fireworks and festivities that they had oh, I on the mall? Guess. Did they have I that? I
4: Survived using a tripod. We can talk about that another time. It was a very terrifying event for me. But oh my you gosh. You know, I do the feature stuff. I had to like put, get the tripod out and shoot with like a fifteen second exposure. It's super stressful.
1: Uh-huh. It
5: worked oh my out goodness. Great. It
2: well, at least nothing happened bad to you like our uh, guest panelists this week, our first guest panelist this week. Joining us uh, is Miss Andrea Hernandez. Uh, she's a Venezuelan journalist and National Geographic Explorer based out of Caracas. Hello, Andrea.
5: Hi. Thanks for having me here. Hi, everyone.
2: So great to have you. Always great to get the international perspective on things. Where is Caracas located for those who aren't uh, geographically inclined? It's
5: in the north of South America, uh, part of the Caribbean and South America.
2: Okay, great. Well, that's not a bad place to be. I gotta think, right? You know, weather must be pretty nice right now, right? It is. It is wonderful. Okay, great. Uh, and uh, joining us, a uh, returning co-host uh, guest is uh, coming back for his fourth time, Mr. Noah Berger. Hello, Noah. Good morning. Hey guys. Hi.
5: Oh.
2: All right, guests and co-hosts and everyone else in between. Let's get on with the show and start talking about the topics that we're going to talk about this week. Um, Our first one is about Fuji. Uh, They have unveiled plans to make their ambassador program more diverse and inclusive. And, you know, we've seen this a lot going on within the industry. I think Canon announced recently that they are removing the terms master and slave from their uh, lexicon for use in their flashes. And so, you know, this is just sort of the continued. Um, progress and reaction that's occurring uh, you know with regard to the the, the goings-on and the protests that are taking place um, so uh, you know I think at any time an industry or organization chooses to diversify it's not a bad thing um, and but I'll throw it over to of course as we always do our guest uh, so Andrea if you're there um, what are your, what are your thoughts on Fuji's uh, decision to expand their Ambassador program? Do you think it's a good move?
5: I think it's a good move. I think it was it was a long time coming. Long time coming. Sorry, and um, they I have some friends and they were actually talking to me about that a year ago. That they would like for it to be more women and and, and for it to yeah. be more diverse, etc. You
4: think? I- yeah, I'm looking at the icons. disaster. They would, you know, like kind of get the crew to diversify, right? Their ambassador programs. Oh, yeah.
2: sorry. You'd think that. I mean, you'd think that, but it's it's not automatic, I would think, for, for everyone. Um, but, I mean, looking at this cast of crew, you know, here for the ex-photographers, I mean, look at this. It's so diverse. You've got somebody with black hair, somebody with red hair, <laughs> men, women. I mean, this is such a diverse crew. No, I'm kidding. This is extremely white yeah. um, and mostly male. So it, it is it is a long overdue step. Um, do any of you have any associations with any organizations? Like are you any, any part of any organization You know, in terms of like one of their special people? Ambassador? Um, um,
4: what, what do you
5: mean?
2: Like like an ambassador or a traveler of light or a master of light or whatever they call their individual programs. Any of you guys? No? No <laughs> one is no one part of lot. that?
0: Was that? I'm one of Jerry's kids. That's the only.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Jerry's kids. Yes. No. I'm not. <laughs> uh, you're all part of the exclusive group of Around the Lens panelists, so that's the feather in your cap. Um, Noah, what what are your thoughts on Fuji's decision here? I
0: think that's awesome. Think there's any any downside to diversifying your ambassador list?
2: Agreed. But... What I, what I think is also good is not only are they diversifying it, but they're making the process of becoming one more transparent. Because I think that's something that a lot of us, you know, whoever have looked at these programs have thought, how do I become a member of these programs? You know, like, what's the sort of steps here? And so they plan it out. You got you start at like, sort of a low-level associate, and then you move on to, like, a partner, and then you become, like, an ambassador. So that's pretty much, you know, how you kind of roll into that group. So it's good to see that them sort of tearing down the walls and, and kind of showing sort of what goes on behind the scenes and making it you know less um, less mysterious. Uh, what do you shoot with, Andrea?
5: I shoot sometimes with a Fuji X100F when I need to go to oh, okay. places that cameras aren't very welcome, or if I need to be discreet. And I also shoot with a Canon Mark III. Um, and uh, analog photography with the Mamiya RZ67 and a Mamiya C330. Yeah.
2: Okay, great. That is a diverse and eclectic group of cameras there. Uh, good that you you shoot with the Fuji. So maybe you're one of the ones they'll they'll choose to be part of their visionaries ambassador programs going forward. Uh, I know. We, I think we were talking last week, Ron. Didn't you say that you were switching over to Fuji?
3: Yeah, I did, Dave. Um, it's because of Andrea, I have to admit it. Uh, oh, because okay, she has, yeah, wow, that was corners. fast. Yeah, well, you know, I, we, we talk <laughs> offline. Um, oh. But, you know, to, I, I looked at the program, and it says to be uh, the, the highest level of the Fuji ambassador, whatever it was, you had to use only Fuji film uh, cameras and only Fuji film lenses. Is that true? Okay. Yeah, that's that was in the uh, yeah that was there's there three levels that's, there was the. That's usually entry the level. case
1: with a lot of the uh, you know masters back. masters of light or the Sony artisans or you know Fuji yeah <laughs> that's usually the case. Interesting. Yeah. So I've got my, well, in the name I of...
3: got my Fuji I'm 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 ready. <laughs> in, in August when they open up, I'm gonna show them this and.
2: Well, uh, Ron, I don't want to break it to you, but you might not have as good a chance to become one of their ambassadors as you uh, previously could. <laughs> just just letting you know. don't you know. Um, you know, I think one of you had mentioned that it's good to see this program and, and other you know companies like Nikon have had their own debacles with uh, these types of programs and not being diverse. I think uh, Evelyn, you mentioned Nikon, was it? Mm-hmm. Or was it Yeah, so I remember that was uh, something I think it was Nikon Asia was very uh, lack diversity. So that was something where, you know, again, we're starting to see this on a a larger scale. Um, You know, uh, in the name of sort of transparency, Travis, do you know the process for like the What's the Sony program?
1: So Sony has a couple different programs. Sony has the, 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 the Sony Artisans, and they have the Collective. Um, and uh, about two years ago, uh, they also started the Alpha Female program. Um, the the oh, Alpha great. Female program was really an incredible uh, step, uh, and the Alpha Collective has been very, very diverse in terms of uh, who it represents, in terms of all over the world and uh, the types of it it has. The uh, Sony uh, Artisan program is, is getting more diverse, and it, it started, you know, they only wanted like 16, and now it's up to like 80 uh, Artisans, So they're trying to re- revamp that, uh, as it is. Uh, but, um, there's, uh, I mean, the process was, is changing. And, and I think because of this dialogue, uh, and certainly Fuji, uh, a lot of programs have, have, you know, Nikon, it was really kind of just crazy in terms of when they put out that ad and it was all male, uh, you know, of their, you know, uh, ambassadors. Yeah. And then they realized, you know, there was no females in the picture and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, at this point, I think because of this open dialogue we're having, uh, I, I, we, we have to stop shaming these company, companies and if they are make, taking the right steps applaud them for doing it uh, because I mean at this point you know yes if they did stuff in the past that's terrible but if this is the kind of time where we, it's a new you know frontier and time to really kind of uh, have these conversations and open up new programs and applaud people for doing it and uh, it's you, you kind of have to weigh it you know, are they doing it just because of and if it feels fake like someone trying to sell you like a used car or if they're actually trying to right. make the pro- proper steps and do the right thing
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Travis, you and Evelyn both have something in common that you're both part of organizations or, you know, know, whether you lead organizations, APA, WAPOW. You know, I thought of you, Evelyn, is there uh, any sort of need or push for diversity uh, amongst your organization that you're aware of? I mean, obviously from the member level, not from the the leadership level. But, I mean, do you see that or do you think that's something that, you know, WAPOW is looking to do within women photographers?
4: um i think pal has been well POW has certainly this has been on the radar for several years um and i know that it's a big part of all of our programming so i mean i can speak from the leadership side but um certainly when we have events or um it, whether they're like educational you know memberly quarterlies or a bigger events like portfolio review it's 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 yeah. absolutely part of the mix and i would say that we have um, a really high level of diversity, and it's not just to be diverse, but there are so many talented photographers from all backgrounds um, that, you know, they should be included and not be sort of forgotten, and, um, I mean, obviously people like Brent Lewis of the New York Times who, who started, you know, Diversify Photo, He's he comes to our event, but, I mean, he he has created a whole, you know, group and collective for that purpose um, but I think Wapal generally is very mindful of being a diverse uh, collective so I think we're we're doing a good job you can probably always you know do better and um, I think we do have voices that probably say hey you can think about this or you know, even changing our language to include not just women photographers but people who identify as being female I mean we even made that change a couple of years ago so I'd like to say that we're on top of this but I think as women we probably need to be leaders in this and we can't be exclusionary in our own organization that's like looking to promote you know diversity so I'm pretty proud of what we've done but I'm not going to say that we can't improve and I'm not on the leadership now so let's get our new president on sometime yeah I'll try to she would be a great asset actually we talk about this and she's a person
2: Oh, yeah, who's the new president of Well, she's not new.
4: She came on I think last year, but her name's Sharice May and um she's doing uh, incredible work in DC and she's a person of color and she's our first uh, I guess Republican. I don't know the whole history of Republican, but as far as I know, the first um, African American president that we've had. So, I think she be I don't, you know, she'd be a great voice.
3: So to
2: Yeah, get her on. Absolutely. I'm all for that. Uh, you know, within APA is there any push for diversity, you know, the you know, uh, explicitly or is it just sort of
1: uh no i mean we've always had the conversation but uh it it, it was a different type of conversation and the gravity it was a little different so uh whereas we're always trying to uh program to different you know sex uh and uh, and parts of the community now that the we're openly trying to find out how we continue and promote the dialogue um i I certainly know we discussed the the artist bill of rights last week it's something that you know we've read deeply and kind of considered but the conversations we're having on a national level and a local level are, are very different i think and it's actually it's not just uh you can't be just accepting. You have to fight for and and fight with and stand next to and and be an advocate for and allow people to have a safe space and feel welcome. And so all of this has to be kind of included into the organization, and it can't just be like, oh no, where we represent photographers, yeah. you know, because it, it's nice to say, oh, we, you know, but then you're not really making that certain groups feel welcome, whether it be you know the gay, the trans, the, the Asian, uh, you know, a black. It, it, you really kind of have to uh, kind of dive into those and find why they aren't there and why they don't feel accepted into your groups because if they walk in and like, well, I felt under- underrepresented, I didn't, I felt, you know, no one was really kind of approaching me, mm-hmm. you really kind of have to re- re-question your whole organization and figure out how do I adapt it to make everybody feel inclusive and welcome. Yeah.
2: Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, any other panelists have any experiences with, uh, you know, organizations that you're a part of and, and sort of uh, diversity within those organizations? Yeah. Tell us, Andrea. Uh,
5: so there's a there's a women photograph chapter in Caracas, and our, my friend Adriana Dobredo and I are uh, the leaders of it. So we're trying to be more diverse, but in a not in a racial sense, because uh, th- that's not it, it's not the same issue as the U.S. It, there is an issue, but it's not the same right. of represent- uh, representation. And uh, but it's about uh, political diversity because this is a very polarized society. So I'm trying to get people from. I mean, I'm not um, a militant. Like I, I, don't belong to any party because I'm a journalist and I have to be opposition of the opposition and opposition of the government. So, um, but some of uh, some photographers are um, sort of um, they sympathize. Uh, they sympathize with. Uh, X or the, the government or the opposition, and we want people that sympathize, sympathize with the government to also be part of the organization because there's no, there's very little people. Yeah. Like that that that, it, that are you know so we want to be diverse Yeah, Women sense.
2: Photograph is a great organization it's how I found about you and your work and it's how I found about uh, the majority of people coming on the show mm-hmm. and so great organization a lot of uh, awesome women photographers on there great to see it being promoted and um, also promoting great work by great women um, how about you Noah any, any organizations you're affiliated with
0: very few no, I don't think I. I don't think I'm in any organization. I, although I'm in one less yeah, this week yeah. than last yeah, week. Yeah, we will talk about the the that in a minute for sure. Uh, that's
1: definitely
2: a hot topic. Yeah. We'll get your take on that. No, I'm not. On, I'm not in anything you know, else.
4: my Skype cut out. Um, I would like love to talk to, about that with you know. But back to what Andrea said about including like diverse political opinions. I think that's really probably difficult and very admirable because certainly what I'm seeing in like in D.C. covering the protests is differing opinions about, uh, like, there's, like, one, there's, you know, it could be a statue or it could be, a, not so much the president, I'm not even going to say that, but, like, for example, there's one statue in D.C. that is um, not, like, a, it's the Abraham Lincoln Emancipation Memorial, but not to get into all the details, but there have been many historians and African Americans who've come out to speak in favor of the statue, but I would say the majority of people who are out of the protest are against keeping the statue, but what happens is people are so impassioned that they, they can't hear yeah. each other's sides. Like, there's no room for discussion. There's no room for diversity of opinion. And I find that sometimes that's troubling to me because I think every free speech needs to be protected no matter what. And I hate when I see these protests devolve into just completely shutting down one side or the other. I've even seen it between ageism. Like, young people leading the protests want to, like, call out the older people who are at the protests who have differing opinions. So, actually, I, I really applaud that because I think we are devolving into a way where, you know, we're so polarized on every level in society. So, diversity of political opinions is, like, a refreshing... It's really like a challenge, so good, you know. I, I that's amazing, but it's also be refreshing. I mean, you can't imagine like seeing putting like a Fox News reporter and a CNN news reporter in like the same group, you know. I it, like things like that would seem, you know, challenging these days.
2: Anyway, well, I definitely think definitely val- a very no. valid and, and relevant uh, topic. And we'll we'll talk about that in our second topic, definitely, and get Noah's opinion on the Bill of Rights in a minute. I just want to make sure there's no other ta- uh, points anyone wants to bring up about you know diversity or the Fujifilm topic before we do so. Ron, you got any any last words, any points of wisdom for us before we move on? I'm
3: uh, a minority in my organization.
2: There you go. So you're you're the di- you're the diversity hire for your organization, right?
3: I uh, do. There's I think about three white guys in my uh, news organization. There you go. Uh, organization. I know two of them. I don't know. I don't know if there's three. I, I, there's, there may be three, but I know are they there's all two. In Me We're another or they Around the world. No, sir. Ones in Canada. Um, I'm in Hawaii, and uh, those are the two I know. I think there might be another guy somewhere. I, I don't know where would you he's
2: at. Working. Would you yeah, I might be wrong too. To the Philippines. To work on your 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 network in the Philippines. Uh, that's, uh, that's later oh, okay. on down that's the your road. Retirement plan there you go all right let's go ahead and move on to our sepic topic second topic of the evening and kind of kind of go on sort of our main focus as to why you know Noah, you you came on the program obviously we want to talk about all the things but you know you had some very strong opinions about the the photo bill of rights we talked about that last week obviously i would have loved to have had you on last week so you and no um you and um Travis uh, Zach could spar head-to-head and it would be just, you know, great podcast material. But it's okay. You can be here and you can call out Zach and, you know, uh, have your voice be heard. So let's talk about just a refresher, uh, Photo Bill Rights, uh, created by a, a collective of various organizations essentially to outline um, sort of basic rights that photographers should have, photojournalists, lens workers, I believe is what we're called now, lens workers. And, uh, you know, for the most part, I think the majority of us didn't really see too much of an issue with it until it came to their, uh, their templates and their sort of working tools. And there's like this script where they want you to explain in detail to the person you're photographing and get their consent and all kinds of fun stuff uh, like that. So, Noah, I think that's where we start with you. So kind of give us your thoughts on it.
0: I know you did it last week, so don't want to monopolize that. I heard Travis did a good job sticking up for the anti-BOR. Was that right? He flipped or the somebody table. somebody else was Zach Spartan.
2: Uh Travis. What's needed? that? But
0: he... um, Yeah, I think the thing is the travesty um, in terms of photojournalists. And I'm not even talking about the toolkits. That entire document is a shit show that should not exist for photojournalists or news workers or NPPA yeah. members. Um from the first sentence, the whole thing bothers me. I'm not even talking about the consent, which is way over.
1: So just talking, just... I, I, w- I did not stick up for it, and let's let's lo- loosely use that word travesty, okay? Uh, Watch that travesty. <laughs> yeah, I like that. But uh, no, I I actually had uh, I had a <laughs> lot of fun. About- fundamental problems with in terms of i think it's uh, a, a a fad of the moment there was no you know there's there's nothing that uh, ties people in or responsibility or or follow up or you know it's just it, it seems like well if i sign it no one's going to check that i signed it nobody's going to follow up or that i'm running it and i think there's some inherent problems with the way it's written uh and some of the stuff that it ties us to and and some outlandish stuff that's just not practical but uh no, um, it, i think it, it's nice as a beginning conversation but it, it needs to be something that we consistently and this goes back to what we were talking about in 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 the, with fuji diversifying and with the bill of rights if this is not something that becomes not just the fat of the moment that we need to constantly fight for as organizations and change the whole atmosphere and culture can I consistently follow up on that it, there's nothing that's gonna it's just not important
0: well I'll, I'll go further i think it's a disgusting piece of something for a news shooter to sign If you're not a news shooter, if you're a documentary photographer or street photographer, no issue, it's fine. But for NVPA to put their name behind this, and for any, honestly, I'm trying not to make it personal about people, because there are a lot of people I like and respect who have signed it, but no news photographer should be on that list. You're coming out as I'm a far-left Democrat, I stand with BLM, I stand with protesters, I stand with the Sodom covering, all of it. The language in there, a lot of it I find offensive completely uninclusive. Um, I mean, much less, I mean, I don't really state where my politics are cause I'm a news photographer, but imagine somebody who's not even a Democrat, how you would feel about this. This is insane. Um, so I think it's, I think it's horrible that MPPA is involved in this. I'm, I think there it's, I think it's unethical.
1: I think um, a lot of people were quick to jump on and, and try and just do the right thing and not really kind of dive into it. Uh, I know, uh, at uh, you know when we we kind of uh, under uh, American photographic artists when we started to read it uh, we read it all individually then we kind of. Group talked about it. Then we you know, sent it over to the lawyers for their input and stuff like that. So we had a long discussion of it. It wasn't like, yes, Bill of Rights. We have to sign that and not really kind of dive into it. So we kind of really looked into it very closely and uh, decided, you know, uh, it was an individual thing and not a, an organizational thing to do this. And uh, and I certainly voice my opinion. I would not be signing it.
2: So your basic yeah. Um, yeah. disagreement with the concept of the program is it's too left-leaning and it, it tends to apply a certain bias if you sign it or associate yourself with it and we as you know news photojournalists shouldn't have any sort of bias right you say
0: i have so many different beefs that's that's the first one is that it says we stand with this movement that we're covering would be the first right. one that's the first sentence in there um, this phrase cis male gaze i'm not on board <laughs> for. i think that's discounting yeah. people who've worked for the industry not on board for that um pulling it up here um the, all the language just aligns mm-hmm. yourself with the far left. I mean, all those phrases that are used are coming out and saying, "Hi, I'm far left," you know. And these are not not inclusive phrases. They're not things that photographers should even. It, it's not even related to improving our industry. These are. I honestly think the people who wrote this just wanted to say, "We're left." This, we stand with Black people. I think that's what. I think I think that's what this was meant for more than an honest attempt to improve the industry. The consent thing is a whole nother thing and the talk that it's in the toolkit I find irrelevant but it's weakening press freedom it's starting to we see that in protesters it's under attack um consent is a non-starter yeah. for me uh yeah I, th- I think it's I think it's disgusting honestly um there was one other I just forgot sorry I'm not going <laughs> on a lot of sleep I was yes just, a couple <laughs> hours uh,
2: I mean obviously I know you disagree with the sort of obviously that part of the Bill of Rights, but are there any parts of it that, you know, in terms of just collecting sort of some good ideas together, do you see that as, as you know, like for instance, of like the, the health and safety and the finance and grievance and stuff like that, do you think those are also um, politically tainted or do you think that some of those ideas might have merit in, in sort of a, a non-politically um, charged document?
0: I think this is a circle jerk I think it's not going to have any effect because you need newspapers Mm -hmm. to sign on or your editorial outlets to sign on to improve things and I don't think there's budget for that right now I don't think there's you know you're watching staffs get cut and furloughed and you know workers have their hours cut I just don't think that this is the time I don't think there's a movement for that from newspapers and having a bunch of photographers say that we stand behind that it's yeah. It's kinda of, it's kind of nothing.
4: Yeah, uh, I, I agree with Noah on that point. I certainly felt like the onus of all of these issues should be taken mm-hmm. on by editors and powers that be. It's like putting the responsibility to, you know, get better <laughs> um, you know, wages or PPE or all of these things like on us the photographers to sign on. I mean, until editors and management sign yeah. on to something like this. We, you know, brave, but we don't really have the collective power to, to do these things. And I wish we did, but it's, it's extremely frustrating. Yeah. So, so, for me, that was a kind of useless. It felt, it felt useless. Like, target, target management um, to improve their hiring and their diversity, all, all of these issues. It was like, you're a freelance photographer. You should be doing X, Y, and Z. I mean, you know, that was a lot of responsibility
0: and one one more thought on this i've had a lot of debates with photographers over this and i hear a lot of people say well you know it doesn't exactly i'm not on board for everything it says but i'm on board for the spirit and that's when i'm why i signed and it's like do you buy a house like that you buy a house where you know it's, it says some things some amounts that you're not going to pay but some amounts you do are going to pay like no you put your name to what those words are and i find it that people have vacated their responsibilities of putting their name to something by saying, oh, I like the spirit, but not the exact words. Right. I, I, just, I, just, I could not be more upset about this. Yeah. I think it's okay. horrible.
1: Right. Yeah, I think it should, be, it should be used as an opening volley for discussion, uh, and and, and should be analyzed, in because there's multiple sides of this, and I think it's just the first kind of step into something. Uh, but when you have something that's this important it, it, you can't just quickly write this up and sign it and it, it, this is a huge conversation to have and it's it's how we kind of relay the, the frontier and as pioneers for the new generation of photography and acceptance and uh, it, it's going to take some time to develop that
4: did women photo Andrea did women photographs get on board with it
1: I think they were I one of so, the developers yeah.
2: of it like I think it was developed in conjunction with them yeah
5: the-
2: so uh, yeah they
5: were yeah Daniela Saltzman is is very into it, and I don't know if Mallory Benedict she's a she's an editor at Nat Geo. I I don't know if she's onto it, but I'm sure she's on board because Daniela is and the whole grand organization. So let me ask you then,
2: Andrea. You know, what are your thoughts on the photo of bill rights, or what do you know about it, and and what are your thoughts about Women Photograph as an organization, sort of backing it?
5: I mean, I love Women Photograph. I think. Um, it's a very rich database of women photographers all over the world more more than a thousand women photographers are included there and it's easier for editors now to get to hire other women photographers um, thanks to that organization I don't know that much about the photo bill of rights I think it's meant to be a guideline maybe uh, but but yeah that's I really, honestly, I don't know that much about it. I just know it's um, it's happening, and and and. Well, let me and, ask you
2: this, CEO. Since uh, No obviously took the uh, drastic step of canceling his NPPA membership because of their association with this, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, would either you, Andrea, or Evelyn, would either of you leave an organization, whether it was this or something else? You know, is there something your organization could do that would spur you to leave it? for taking a stance on something officially, some organization you associate with? whether
4: I mean, I, as strongly as Noah did against this Bill of Rights, perhaps, um, if I felt like it was detrimental, um, but like this is a guideline and I think it's a good, like Travis mentioned, good um, you know, opening volley for discussion and these are issues that need to be discussed and addressed and I may not agree with everything in the photo bill of rights, but I do think There are certainly many valuable um, elements to it, so it would have to be much more drastic, uh, I think, for me. And I think I would like to be part of an organization where I could raise my voice and express my, you know, concerns or dismay. And maybe then, you know, if other people were in agreement, you know, we could discuss it. And I think that's the beauty of being in a sort of a democratic organization. I don't mean Democrats like the political party. I mean, like, sense of word, but, you know, things are so brought these days so but um but yeah i don't know i i haven't felt compelled like that strongly you know to to leave an organization um but um and i think i'd like raise my hand and make my points heard
2: first before i did no i did
0: i did try that nobody really responded to
4: yeah. Um, yeah, and that's and that's your. I mean, it may you know. I love. There's so many wonderful things about the MBBA, but if you do feel, you know, being a paying member of an organization also that may hit the yeah. them harder than just like okay, I'm a, I'm a member of WAPAL by default. I basically live in the Washington. I mean, I you do have to join, but I live in D.C. You know, it's not. I'm not a. It's not a dues paying organization, but you know, dues payers are up in arms. That could actually have an impact. And I don't know how many people Noah dropped out. But, you know, I, I bet NPPA is reconsidering, reconsidering. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, reconsidering, but they must be hearing some voices. Questioning. And <laughs> questioning. I can't imagine that that they aren't. And, and maybe the majority is loves it, you know. And they're not going to change. And maybe, you know, you're the outlier. I'm not no, really sure. Have you sure. seen any so, response
2: to your you know, um, sort of departure from NPPA, either from the NPPA organization heads as a whole or other photographers who've left uh, because of your departure?
0: You know, it's kind of hard to tell. I got some kind of emails from them about it, like, from the, for some kind of vague, like, <laughs> sorry to see you go. Or Don't let the door hit you on the way out. We've done so much for you. Yeah, or another one that said, <laughs> we've done so much for you, like, we we aren't happy that you're gonna organize anything against it. I'm like, I love you guys too. It has nothing to do with that.
4: Well, that would be great if they actually if they sent you that, Noah. That's like okay. They heard you, you know, and you They that.
0: That was, that was one of the emails. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, just one last thing. Like, it's it wasn't even a choice. I didn't put in protest. Like, because I can't belong to an organization that signs that document anymore is if they endorse Joe Biden for president. Like, it wasn't even a choice. I didn't quit because, you know, I wanted to have a big effect. I just can't belong to something that does that. I think these
2: organizations should have put out, like, a call to their members to vote on signing this.
0: 100%. And, you know, what what is bothering me? um, I've heard, you know, you hear a lot of high-profile people have quit, but staffers are staying really quiet on this, which... I find discouraging because I don't think there are too many staffers right. who are on board for this and editors. I'd love to hear an editor say, you know, we can't put you on a protest if you sign this, which is what I would do as an editor. Um, so it, it is disappointing that you're not hearing from more staffers, although you are hearing from, you know, some big names who are unhappy. Yeah, about I definitely it.
2: think. I mean, well, again i mean yeah you know, going back to what you're saying about staffers you know and, and kind of also reminds me of what zach said last week about his sort of activist stance on a lot of his work you know and that's that's kind of something that i think you know i think when you're going out to cover these protests or any news story if you're taking a stance if you're you know obscuring people's faces if you're not shooting at certain angles if you're choosing to highlight one side over the other side you're completely biased you're no longer an independent photojournalist you're you're basically a corporate photographer working for one side or the other and i don't think you can do this job and, and you know be that way um let me throw it over to you ron i just saw that uh, eagle broadcasting is a signatory on this and so i wanted to get your thoughts are you planning to leave eagle broadcasting no i'm just kidding they didn't sign but that'd be funny if they did, <laughs> they did that sign, uh. you don't care about lgbtqia plus I- people <laughs>
3: yeah Everybody cares about the uh, LGTB, so on and so forth. Uh, uh, I I, I was talking to Noah about this earlier. Uh, I said when I first saw it, I called it the Snowflakes Bill of Rights. Interesting. Uh, As far as uh, quitting organizations, uh, I'm going to make everybody mad again. Um, I used to be a member of the American Legion when I was in the military. Uh, American Legion is a veterans group. And uh, they severely um, were against burning the American flag. They wanted to make a constitutional amendment to stop burning the American flag. They said this is uh, un-American, whatever it is. I said, well, uh, as a dues-paying member, I'm going to quit because um, while I would never burn a flag, I think it's free speech. And uh, I quit. Of course, they didn't care. <laughs> uh, now, if I haven't pissed off everybody yet, I'll piss them off now. I'm now a member of the American Legion again, <laughs> uh, not because of the flag, because uh, mm-hmm. I get parking next door. <laughs>
2: <laughs> How dare you, Ron? How dare you?
3: Sometimes you gotta
2: do All right, well, let's get to the... Uh, I... you,
4: can, yeah. you can keep up the fight, you know? You can you can work from the inside.
3: Work from the inside, yeah. Yeah, no, no thanks.
2: Mm-hmm. I need the parking. You sold out. So, sold some out. things are more important. Are they still pushing <laughs> to get the uh, flag burning amendment or whatever?
3: I don't know what I don't know what they up to. I don't know. I just I just pay my dues. Just I don't park your car.
2: Uh, well, one of the park my car. I,
5: I yeah. just have to say um, regarding the photo bill of rights that this is like a very um, American thing in the sense that uh, you guys know the implications of of, of this these guidelines. And the suggestions in the U.S., but it's very different in the rest of the world. I mean, you guys associate it with the left, and I, I like for me, it doesn't even—it's not even a like a mm-hmm. a discussion. I mean, I don't, I don't, I I, I read a lot of, of uh, about American politics because I mean, most of the of the <clears throat> media I work with are from the U.S., but. All the implications are just, they're not close to my heart. And some of, some of my friends uh, from, from uh, the collective I belong to, that's called AYUN, and, and uh, of the uh, of Women Photograph Organization, really support this, this photo bill of rights. And, I mean, um, it's weird, but, but I stand by them as, as, as a person and I support them. You know, but, but it's, a, it's an American thing. It's, it doesn't, um, it doesn't affect all the other international women photograph members.
2: How would you say the situation is for you in Caracas as a freelancer?
5: Uh, I mean, my editors have been very um, how do you say that? Uh, they, they have been very uh, attentive to me being here. Uh, but I am a freelance photographer, so they have no responsibility over me. Uh, so, I mean, and also, like, the conditions of working here as a Venezuelan photojournalist in a lo- local news media are, like, so much worse. The payment and, 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 the, um, and the political implications of a polarized society. So it's completely, it's a different discussion. And it, it's, it yeah, is in most of absolutely. Latin America.
2: Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and piggyback off that and talk about, you know, photojournalists and whatnot under attack, photographers under attack. You know, I, I brought up this story because this is the one that came up, you know, first in sort of the news feed regarding, you know, a Louisville uh, protest shooting. There was a victim, a 27-year-old photographer. Now, they don't say he's like a photojournalist or worked for a newspaper, so my guess he was – you know, maybe just someone who is a you know photographer. In fact, his bio says he's a photographer, and he just is a photographer. He doesn't say he's a photojournalist or anyway. But again, he's someone with a camera who is at a protest who is targeted by someone and shot and killed, right? And so that might be a sort of general take on it. Um, but we've seen this if you've been you know, if you're friends with anybody on uh, Facebook who is like a, a prominent visual journalist. There's a few friends I know. You know, you see that, you know, more and more they're getting sort of either accosted or blocked. I mean, Evelyn, you talked about it last week where, you, you know, someone trying to block you from taking a picture. But it seems more and more, at least from what I can see, you know, from the distance, it's, that it's more aggressive. It's more in your face. It's more like they're just confident in your ability not to cover their image or take their picture. Uh, and, you know, throw it over to you, Andrea, first, you know, is there anything going on in Caracas that's like, you know, tied to the sort of the Black Lives Matter protests or the protests in general? Are there, you know, anybody protesting in Caracas and, or protests in general? And are you covering that? And sort of what's sort of their sort of take in response to you as a photojournalist in, you know, covering their protest?
5: Um, I've covered a lot of protests here. They're quite different from the U.S., from what I've seen and from what I've heard from friends that have covered here and there. And here it's different because there's a lot of bullets fra- flying around. It's like, it's it's not a... It, it's a different scenario, but um, we haven't had any protests since the quarantine started because there's no gas. I mean, there's no... And there's not that all the um, counties are closed and so it's difficult to move around it's very restricted and very controlled so they they I mean the government has achieved what they wanted in regards of the control that that they want to have over the population because they are very um, autocratic uh, uh, government so they are achieving it <laughs> people aren't protesting so and and also people they're just trying to to solve the everyday problems of not having running water, not having enough food, not having uh, gas, not having like light, electricity in their homes. So it's difficult to protest in those conditions if, you have, if you're not yeah, they comfortable. They need some of the homes.
2: higher Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They need some of those higher-up ones first before they get down to yeah. protesting for equal pay or rights Hopefully. or whatnot. Um, okay. Uh, but you said you exactly. have covered protests. What have the protests been about? Have they been about those core issues or what specifically? <laughs> and how, how has of been the response to you as a foreign uh, journalist at those protests?
5: So um, when I covered the protests in 2017, they were okay. anti-government protests because they, were, they, they did like a self a coup d'etat a, from the Supreme Court to the National Assembly. Because it was the National Assembly was opposition majority, so they wanted to okay. uh, like obliterate it. Um, so yeah, it, I covered it, and the depending on who I decided to stick with during the protest, uh, mm-hmm. things became either more dangerous yeah. or less dangerous. If I dis- I usually try to be between the protesters and the military. And I thought that was the, cra- the, the correct place to be. That's what they tell you in, 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 in security training for journalists, uh, you know, th- th- those events. And, um, but the last time I, I was in one of those, well, not the last time, but one of the last times I got uh, hit by the police with a tear gas canister oh and it broke my hand. It looked like a cornflake, like a, like a, you know, like a mushed cornflake. But uh, fortunately, I'm okay. I have my hand and it's fine. But I think it's just, it depends on how you move and, and and if you're very, very alert, and if you don't get cocky. So, the protesters, sometimes they didn't want me to shoot um their faces, which is, I understand, they don't want to be identified by the government because there, there would be really serious implications. Some of them have gone to prison, some of them have disappeared. So, I understand. And I try to be very careful about that. But, uh, well, it's also, I mean, there's no accountability here with the government, so it's a different scenario. So, I I understand and I try to shoot mostly people with their faces covered because they already had them covered because of the tear gas. They had, like, bandanas and, you know, masks. Mm -hmm. And they understood. You know, they understood that I had to do my job because I explained.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's an inherent risk to going out to protesting. I mean, protesting like here in the United States is perfectly legal. It's, it's authorized under the First Amendment. It's your right. And, you know, but people who, you know, have, you know, problems with protesting, there's a fear. If they fear protesting, well, they have to take that chance to go out and protest, right? I mean, you got to fight for your rights. Um, Noah, have you been covering any of the protests in your area?
0: Oh, yeah, a lot of straight coverage of the protests here. It's been really dangerous. It's been more of a matter of how many frames can you get out without getting robbed or attacked more than how good can your photos be. I mean, it was like the purge out here with the looting and the attacks. The first night, four of my friends were robbed in Oakland of their gear, two of them who I was, you know, 30 yards away, and we just split up. Um, So, yeah, it's really become more you know, less like that you can go out there and work on your art and more like what you can do without getting killed or not, not killed, but without getting attacked and robbed, which is
2: unfortunate. Um, so yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. Um, I mean, obviously are you getting a lot of people who are, you know, telling you not to photograph them or blocking you and and stuff like that as well?
0: Yeah, that's, it's definitely ramping up a lot more. Um, at least out here, I feel like that started with Occupy. That was a new thought during Occupy and, 2012 or 13 of this is our space we have a right to say no photos um and there are kind of two two categories of that there's the category of no photos of the looters and then there's the category of we own this space you know we're going to tell you what to do and unlike venezuela like people here say we're going to face repercussions for doing this but really you're not going to in the us unless you're breaking a law i don't there are not too many people going to jail for standing out with a protest sign, and like, you know, what Andrew's seeing that down there. And I find that whole argument very disingenuous, um, but it's for their safety, and, you know, uh, I don't buy into yeah. that. In the U.S. In the U.S.? Obviously China, Venezuela, a lot of places right, so that's absolutely
2: uh, You know, I was watching a street photographer the other day talk about his sort of, you know, the way he does his work, right? And he talked about how he's gone from you know, carrying around a giant DSLR with a backpack full of lenses to essentially scaling down to the most minimalist kit he can, which is like the equivalent of a point-and-shoot camera and one lens. Has there been any thought, you know, especially as these protests and protesters have gotten perhaps more uh, cognizant and aware of what a photographer looks like, to perhaps scale down and go with something less obvious?
0: You know, I stopped using a flash, obviously, years ago at protests. <laughs> um, I'm a really tall, like, white dude. I don't, I'm not going to blend in right. with people no matter what I do. So for, for me, it's not. I, I do tra- travel a lot in light, lighter now, and I do use mirrorless, which helps for yeah. not making the noise a little bit. But I'm not really going incognito. Other people yeah. could have that option. But for me, it, it isn't. Um, And I don't, the
4: premise of being incognito, too, is like a little bit antithetical Mm -hmm. to what we do. I mean, I always identify myself as a journalist. I want to look like a journalist. I want to never seem like I'm sneaking anything. I really just try to be as open as possible, and, you know, this is my role here at this event. And I don't think my role, you know, yeah, I mean, you don't (laughs) want to stand out so you get robbed. You know, like... all the equipment, that's different, but you know, this, the idea of we're going to look like journalists right. and we should look like journalists. We shouldn't journalists,
2: have to kowtow or change the way we agree. do our job agree. because of other people.
0: Right. I, I think it's an interesting, I, I hear that too, but I think if I had the opportunity to blend in in a way that didn't, like, you know, just as I always practice at protests, I keep my press pass inside my shirt most of the time, and then when I'm in a police situation I pull it out. But I'm not advertising that I'm press. That's what most of us out here do.
5: I do uh, the opposite What of
0: it. What do, you, what do you mean? You keep it out? Yeah,
5: and, if I, if yeah. I'm near the police, I put the press mm-hmm.
0: pass inside. My shirt. Interesting. That's funny. That's really funny. Yeah, the reverse, the
2: reverse yeah. here. So, Evelyn?
4: Yeah. I'm, I wear my. I put my badge on because I, I just feel like strongly that I want to be clear. You know, like, this is why I'm taking your photo or this is... Um, but I don't I don't feel like you know I don't have an issue I don't feel like I there's not the issue of hiding it or, or disclosing it because of the police um but when I'm with the with the people I don't know um I don't know if that's useful or not but my attitude is just to be like this is who I am you can see my name you can see who I work for or freelance and um I'm not you know what trying to Else, you at the know. end
1: of the day, is it uh, is the objective to say I'm a journalist or to get a non you know uh, partisan photo? photo? Uh, so
4: that's a fair
1: it, it, well. it, So yeah. whether you represent yourself as a journalist or not, it's the end product that you're representing that photo that's the most important thing that's non-biased.
4: Right. That's a great debate. Like, right. which way do you achieve achieve that? And I, you know, so that's uh, that's worthwhile to think this- about as well. Yeah, yeah, I think really.
5: No,
2: Andrew, you want say something? <laughs>
5: Yes, uh, um, so I think that people really appreciate clarity. If you go to a place and you explain yourself uh, to the people there, and even if you belong to an organization that they don't support or whatever, uh, they do appreciate the time you're taking to explain what you're there for and what you're doing and what it means.
0: Yeah, I think it goes city by city. Obviously, country by country. I think maybe DC, you haven't quite seen the hostility that we see nightly at the protests. Mm -hmm. There's no, no level of them wanting to respect your position because you've explained it or say who you work for. It's our Mm -hmm. streets, you know, our streets. We're gonna, you know, take that card if you pick up your camera. So here, it's not really much of a dialogue. I used to. Give out my card to people who were upset at protests and be like, "Hey, when we're not all heated, why don't you give me a call and we'll get coffee and talk about what this is?" Which now I think we're past that point. Mm-hmm. I don't, uh, sadly, but yeah, I, think, I, understand. I think it's city by city. Yeah, here.
3: Like, I'm sorry to it's hear. It's still that. peaceful here. We don't have that. Uh, we don't have that problem here. <laughs> Hawaiians are pretty mellow. Uh, I mean, they're protesting a little bit, especially the uh, the native Hawaiians with. Um, you know, um, sacred lands and things like that they, they, they it's getting a little bit heated. But as far as toward the press, they, they want the—they want the recognition. Yes, please take our picture and put it in the paper because that's why we're here. We're protesting yeah. so people can see us. So that's what yeah. when you guys talk about. Protesters don't want their pictures taken. I don't understand why. Why are you protesting? Well, here's here's
1: here's the, uh, the the argument of why some protesters don't want their pictures taken because in a in a day and time where social media is so rampant and people are quick to. Uh, to react to certain things, they're, they're, they might be scared that, oh my god, my employer is going to see me out here protesting and they're going to take a stance and fire me tomorrow because they saw my face out protesting and lending voice to that. And we see how quickly some of these people that, that are reacting in certain situations have been fired, have been let go, have been ostracized by the community, have been, you know, have people protest their house. So, you, you, you know, that that's part of the reason why people are maybe not want their photo taken because of the, the repercussions of it on social media. Yeah, that sure. is I mean, so there, there's that absolutely is. a risk Sorry, for I, some
2: people to protest, great. but doesn't that boil down to personal responsibility aren't they taking the stance and position to go out and protest knowing that you know I mean why go out there
1: but their lives shouldn't be their lives shouldn't be ruined because of social media nowadays. Uh, because you stand up for something, why it, it's okay that they, they they risk the potential of losing their life because of social media? No, I don't think that's fair. You can stand with you can stand with people in solidarity and, and say, you know, "I believe in this matter." But you know, just because you know a certain community you live in doesn't believe in there it, uh, so destroy your life. There are so many ways to support
2: organizations uh, that, that fight that's that's for that's right. rights. But let's let's go, you Noah.
0: Oh yeah, I wanna talk. Are we talking are you talking about Black Lives Matter protesters who are facing repercussions?
1: No, I, 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 I there 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 have been I, it's the flip side—the people that actually kind of talking out against Black Lives Matter that their their lives are ruined. And I don't I don't agree with uh, what they say, you know, and and pulling guns out and repercussions of that. And I don't, but it's First Amendment right to actually say some of that stuff. But they, you know they they they'll get rocks to the windows, they'll get you know, and part of you wants that, but it's not right. Gotcha.
0: I thought I thought we were talking about Black Lives Matter, and I'm like, I don't no, think it's, it's, actually, it's actually
1: the flip side is that you know the people that are actually kind of doing the wrong thing, but. It's their voice to be able to do that. Well, I hope you all are safe out there, uh, no matter what you're covering, whether it be protests or otherwise.
2: Um, And that actually feeds into our last topic this evening, which we'll just jump to right now. And this is basically about uh, a staff photographer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, a Mr. Michael Santiago, who essentially took a buyout from his newspaper because he felt that there were issues of racism within the newsroom. And it kind of stems from essentially uh, his viewpoints and opinions on what was going on with regard to the Black Lives Matter protests and whatnot, and the paper saying that hey, you can't cover protests because you know you have this, I guess, bias, or or you know you have this sort of your, these are your opinions about it, and you know we don't want you to cover this. So then he, he left the paper. You know, this is an interesting sort of thing that I've seen in in not only this instance, but others where people are getting sort of called out for things that they've posted and it's now be affecting them in their sort of personal lives and their uh, job lives. And, you know, for you all who cover this stuff on a regular basis, even though you're freelancers, are you concerned at all about what you put out there in social media and other platforms because of of how you think editors will look at that? Uh, Noah, you were nodding yes. Yes.
0: Yeah, for sure. Although the story that you sent is a little different, I think, from what Michael did and from what the original reporter did, because it wasn't exactly for putting their political views out there. I mean, hers was kind of a very, like, joke about this is the crowd after a country music concert, not after a protest, which I'm, I'm a very firm believer in not putting out your political opinions on social if you're a journalist. But I don't think either. I mean, all he did was voice support for her, and I think her offense... Unless there's more to it than I'm reading. Uh, her offense of putting up that photo and saying this was actually after a concert isn't really a political statement. It was, you know, a very light, light thing. So I don't know. I, the, that whole story confused me. And then there was talk about it just being an excuse to get rid of him because the publisher is conservative. Um, but I wouldn't say, from what I've read, either of them did something violating that line of journalism
2: ethics and sharing your opinion. I mean, that's a, it's a valid point because I mean, we share our opinions on this program all the time. You know, we share opinions. I'm sure, I'm sure you've shared. your I've shared my opinions on Facebook and whatnot. You know, and uh, there was a, a recent story, I think, about uh, someone, uh, lieutenant colonel in the military, or somebody who was a veteran, and you know, she was getting called out uh, because of that, because of her thoughts on in response to a story. Um, so it's like even the things you say in public or private, you know, amongst your Facebook groups. Nothing, of course, is ever private, though, if you post it online. Um, but again, I mean, you know, whether or not there's a direct line of correlation between you know the person's firing and you know sort of their or leaving the, the position and and you know this post, you know, do you take and in, in take in consideration more about what you say and post online, or do you post, you don't care about that sort of thing? That's open to anyone. Does anyone does anyone take into consideration or worry about what they post because of their potential uh, ties to newspapers or publications or what they do?
0: Oh, of course, of mm-hmm. course.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I try to steer clear of voicing personal opinion. What I found interesting in the article, so I was just reading when you asked that question, um, was that it it sounded like he was banned from covering the protest, and I was unclear if he was banned from covering the protest because. He was black, or because he had gotten, um, um, you know, punished. I mean, be the right word, but for defending his colleague's tweet and was on some sort of like administrative.
2: That's how I leave. interpret it. it um, interpret, you know, because, defending the colleague's tweet.
4: So then he okay because then I thought, wow, that's really like you know, or then you're not allowed to cover a story like it's like recusing yourself from some implied bias, and I think that would be like impossible for. Journalists and newsrooms too. I mean it would affect all of us no matter what like if you're white and you're covering a white guy If you're black you're covering a black I mean that would seem impossible. So What
0: I did guess. you think, what did you Evelyn? What did you think about the, the reporters? Photo tweet, you know about the litter Did you think that was over any ethical line or no?
4: Yeah, I was just looking at that too, and I think that um I would like to see the photo, but um uh, no, I mean, I, it's it's sort of a joke. Um, I think it like it it it, it, it does um, it walks a fine line, and I think that because we are in this like high, heightened sense of um, identity, and clearly, I think there's an implication of the types of people who go to a Kenny Chesney concert and the types of people that are looters, and she's. She's saying that, which I think is fair and observant as a journalist. Um, I don't think that would be, to me, like a fireable. I don't know if she was fired, a fireable offense, but um, I think it's it's you know it's like on the cusp. Um, it was it was accurate, probably, and fun, and 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 sort of said with a sense of humor, you know, because there's an implication that you see. I haven't seen. I need to see the photo, but she's implying that you see some trashed up scene, and you're going to assume that they're looters, and that those looters are black. And she's saying, No, this is a country music concert, right? That's what she's trying to that's the point she's trying to convey. And that's her job, I guess, as a journalist. But she said it in a sort of jokey way and she called out race. Is that too political? You know? That's a tough call to make. I mean it's how um, yeah.
0: It's no, certainly no. less political than we have come together alongside the movement to fight police brutality and systematic racism. So it's definitely <laughs> a lot less political <laughs> than uh
4: that she's making an observation and she's using current societal thinking as a journalist that, you know, to say, hey, like this is the way the group think is happening. But no, this is the reality of the situation. And 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 was it really a, a Kenny Chesney concert tailgate? I mean, is that a fact, you know, so um, yeah, I don't I, think anyone has
2: been fired, so to say, I think they're just not covered. They're not being sent out to cover protests. You know, they're like saying, OK, well, you have these feelings and. In- we see a perceived bias here, so you know we don't want to send you out because we don't believe you have uh, a sort of you're not going to cover this event impartially. And so in that case, go. You're going to go cover the sports team, or go, go go feature hunting, or whatever they send you to do in a newsroom nowadays. Um, go go photograph people sitting on porches. I mean that's very popular, right? <laughs> uh, which by the way brings me up. How is uh, Caracas doing with regard to COVID, Andrea? You guys doing all right?
5: Wow. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, uh, yeah, Latin America is becoming the hotspot for COVID, especially Brazil. And we share frontier with Brazil. A lot of Venezuelan migrants are coming back through Brazil and through Colombia carrying the virus. And they are being quarantined in places near the border. Uh, and they are like in very, very bad conditions. And they, the people that haven't, that weren't con- uh, infected, now are infected, and the numbers are rising. They expect the peak oh to God. be in September, uh, but this is a, a country with a collapsed healthcare system. So it's like the perfect storm for the virus. And um, I mean. My dad is a leukemia patient, and I'm, like, very afraid for, for him because he has no defenses. Uh, and I'm afraid for for anyone that gets the virus here. But people here in Latin America, in Venezuela, they can't stop working because they work for the day. They, what they earn is what they eat. So it's difficult to, to get them to stay quarantined, to not go out, because they are more afraid of... of hunger which is a familiar phase it has been for the last 10 years for the last five years than then of the virus which is like a ghost that we don't know we don't understand we don't know anything about it so it's it's uh, not good
2: right. the options are <laughs> uh, don't work and don't eat and die of hunger or you know work and maybe get a disease and a virus and whatnot um in general how are you keeping safe while covering and doing your work and doing your job
5: So at the beginning of the quarantine, I I assisted a lot of uh, talks and conferences and workshops regarding uh, uh, hygiene protocols for covering COVID. But I guess they are changing because they're discovering new things about the virus and how it it infects people. So I'm trying to stay on top of it, uh, on, on top of the research so that I know what I can do and what I shouldn't. And, of course, I'm doing a lot of social distancing with my family. They don't understand. For them, the virus is like, you know, whatever. But mm-hmm. I I think I understand it better than them. And, and I'm trying to keep my distance, even if they don't want mm-hmm. me to. My family is very close. So they're like, why don't you come for breakfast <laughs> every day? And yeah. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not coming. I just went there for Mother's Day, for Father's Day. And I was like sitting on another table, washing my own stuff, washing my hands a thousand times, wearing um, uh, a face mask. And yeah, they were like, you're ridiculous. And I'm like, no.
2: You can't like point to the statistics <laughs> and be like, family, look, look, people are dying in our country. Right, don't you understand?
5: I mean, it's just that it, we see things different here. Things for us aren't just facts. They're a mix of spiritual and facts and and what you feel it's just not facts are not a, a, the the most important thing mm.
2: it's weird i can't imagine anywhere <laughs> else where that might be a the consi- same thing happening. <laughs> must be only in caracas i can't imagine anywhere else <laughs> not like florida or texas but anyways um yeah. noah how are you holding up <laughs> with the covid going on what's your what's your status <laughs> over there
0: I'm apparently <laughs> negative so far. Um, you know, it's it's been interesting. I've turned down a bunch because my wife is very worried about this and I've kind of given her ultimate decision over assignments. And some of the things have been really hard to turn down. Like I turned down an assignment to go into a COVID ward at, you know, our big hospital here when it was going strong. And that's like, and nobody had been in at that time to shoot it. You were seeing, you know, the New York Times had done it, but very few other places had done that. And I would have loved to do that, but. It would have meant like three weeks of not being home when, you know, she would have kicked me out for three weeks. So I've turned that down. I've turned down other shoots, like being in a house with somebody who had tested positive previously, assignments like that. Then there's some that are uncomfortable, but I do like, you know, the protests where you're jammed in with 10,000 people. There was one that I shot half an hour. I did okay in that half an hour. And I said, you know, I think I'm out of here. Like I got what I needed, whereas normally you would work that harder. Um, but they're, that's probably the most uncomfortable I've gotten is besides for the times when I need to go to the bathroom and you can't find a bathroom anymore when you're working. But besides yeah. <laughs> besides for that, you know, being jammed in with those protest crowds is a little bit a little bit worrying. But <clears throat> again, like the hardest thing has been turning down things that I would have done in a minute if I was single, but I can't that's, really that's do it with the family.
2: Thing. I take that uh, and think about that all the time because you know, I still go into the office every day. I mean, it's obviously a lot different here. Uh, it's a lot safer, but, you know, even Sten- at the, the heart of it, when we were seeing, you know, hundreds of cases a day, uh, I was very worried myself about even going out to work, you know, and I didn't want to bring it back to my family who were hunkering down and, and staying safe. Um, uh, Evelyn, with regard to the protests, are you back to covering that after you've, uh, you know, done moving? Are you done moving, by the way? You're done fully unpacking and everything?
4: Yes, I, I'm. Okay. i not fully unpacked. Um, I haven't stopped working. No, I mean I pretty much try to get out there, even when I'm not on assignment, almost every day. Um, I feel very attached the taking to taking a break. Um, move? Fourth of oh, July. Yeah, go ahead. No, I mean I took a break just because I had to, like with movers and stuff. But then I tried to jump back into it, and um, you know I. I worked 4th of July, you know, Saturday all day, and then I didn't work yesterday, um, today. You know, I may poke my head down to Black Lives Matter Plaza. We'll just see how it goes. Um, so, yeah, I'm just trying to find a uh, balance, but I, I would um, keep, my work is continuing. Because um, this, because the movement actually, like, it's it's amazing. I mean, it, it like, keeps finding, like, new life. I mean, new... The, it starts to go down. It's like a fire, I guess, no? And then like somebody breathes a little bit <laughs> of life back into it. And then there's like a whole nother wave. Um, and I have to say, fourth, covering 4th fourth of July was really fascinating. I mean, I almost only ever cover 4th of July as like this patriotic American holiday. And I cover a parade or barbecue or fireworks. <laughs> and um, this was like the most controversial, diverse fascinating um fourth of july i've ever experienced and it wasn't just because people were protesting but it was that i've sort of got like how many different experiences americans have on this holiday and their attitudes for this holiday and of course there's also conflict in washington dc and i will say also almost everyone's wearing masks during the protests but on fourth of july a lot of people came into town that were not part of black lives matter protests, and they were not wearing masks, and the National Park Service was giving out masks, and people who came to celebrate in a patriotic fashion, I'm just going to blanket stereotype, were ah, barely wearing masks, yeah. yeah, and that was a little bit more scary, I mean I had a mask on, but um, yeah, it was it was, it was quite um, a polarizing day. Let's sit, leave You know, I yeah, watched the uh, the president's
2: sure. speech at the uh, Mount Rushmore, and I didn't see many masks in that audience. But uh, you know, okay. yeah. Did anybody
0: else pick up on the the uh, using uh, Neil Diamond's "We're Coming to America" during the display? I couldn't quite figure out if that was <laughs> trolling or if it was. Uh, li- uh, it was I was 4D, really chess, confused,
2: 4D <laughs> chess. That's all I gotta say. <laughs>
4: Hey, i got to listen and, for that. 4-D
2: 47? chess. You haven't heard that? Huh? You haven't had for, for No? Okay. We'll talk about it after. Uh, I'm sure they celebrated American independence very highly in, in uh, Caracas, Andrea, right? Did you, barbecues and burgers. <laughs> and brothel, uh, Barbie.
5: For, for sure. Ron, how was your 4th sure. of July celebration? Did
2: you guys uh, Any protests or anything? Any COVID? Did you guys all breathe on each other in a, in a small room or anything over there?
3: <laughs> we did. We breathed in a small room together. I hear, I hear the the um,
2: first person who gets COVID gets a prize, right? That's what they're – no, is that?
3: <laughs> We've had uh, – i, I I'm, I'm making up numbers here, but it's something like 20 people have died in Hawaii from COVID oh. since it began. Yeah. Helps but we shut down the state. Yeah. What's that? Who said something? Oh, I said it helps to be on <laughs> an island. Right. We shut down the island so that people can't come here.
0: That work and if they or- – It worked for who? For Manhattan. Never mind. Good joke about being in Manhattan.
3: Shoppy. We have a 14-day quarantine here if you want to come and visit. Um, Noah, Andrea, I got a spare room. (laughs) But unfortunately, you will spend 14 days in that room because if you leave, my neighbors will tell on you.
2: Oh, my God. Travis, I know New York uh, City is uh, recently opened up, or New York State relaxed some restrictions. Have you been able to get out and about
1: more in New York? Uh, I mean, it depends where you are. I mean, it, New Yorkers have been out. It's it's the the, the different levels of opening, and uh, certainly New York City is slower to open up than the rest of the state. And there's certain areas, you know, uh, New York uh, is kind of a mix of uh, having gone through it and being a hot spot so early on that uh, it was, you know, very kind of. Uh, eye-opening and awakening to to kind of have those levels where the rest of America wasn't having those levels, and now that the rest of America is having those levels, and, you know, New York is starting to, you know, uh, level off. um, It's this weird thing of where people are starting to go stir-crazy and want to go out and and do stupid stuff like, you know, street parties and stuff like that, and then kind of go back. It's like people want to return to normal, but can't return to normal, and when you see the rest of America. And it's funny, you look at the outlining map of the United States, like all the coastal uh, states now are bright red, uh, and uh, it, it's just uh, kind of crazy that uh, that when you look at the rest of the the world that is on a decline, that we're actually going higher than we've ever been uh, at any point uh, during this, so uh, it's scary, you know, I, I in New York right now, I, I tend to, I'm lucky I'm about an hour outside of the city um, I, I do some work in the city and, and when I've had to go there, I, I actually it's very strange to go back to work in the city and shoot, uh, and wear a mask and try and social distance, and, and do different things. It just feels the gravity of shooting now is very, very different. Uh, where when I'm back up at my house, I have a pond and land, and I can walk out and sunbathe and, and play music outside and run around and not worry about social distancing. And and I've never had an, an issue of uh, going to a grocery store here and waiting on lines or anything like that. You can kind of go in. Everybody's wearing a mask. It's not like you know, like oh my god, yeah. But uh, it's it's yeah. It's uh, I think uh, uh, people are starting to get really. It, it, you had this long period of people like, all right, how long is this going to last if we do this and stuff like that? And now, we, especially in the photo industry and the people I work with and my and all the people that are around me and, and uh, American photographic artists and the stuff I've been outreaching to mm-hmm. are actually going through a second huge depression now because I think we're seeing that... Uh, um, the industry has fundamentally changed. We don't know when we're coming out of it. We don't know what the new norm is going to be, and there's a great fear that America's just taking the wrong route in this, and, and it's going to get worse and things are going to get closed down again, and uh, it's it's very scary at the moment yeah, for absolutely, people. Absolutely.
2: All right, well, I think uh, we're going to end the show on that um, high note. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, no, no.
1: Uh, has anyone seen Warrior <laughs> Nun on Netflix? No, let's go. Dark. That new show, Dark. <laughs>
2: The German show, Dark. That, that's oh, the,
1: the final season. Yeah, it's uh, good. All right. Well, uh,
2: Andrea, tell uh, our audience where they can find about uh, more about you and your work.
5: Sure. Uh, they can find me on Instagram, Andrea Hernandez Briseño. And they can also find me on the Women Photograph Days of Days. What else? So, I just formed with a, a Chilean friend, a collective of women uh, of women photographers working in Latin America called Ayun, Ayun Photographas. and it's like, uh, so Wait, yeah, that's like. Send me the link plugin. to that and I'll make sure to post it on the show
2: notes. Uh, <laughs> Noah, where can people find out more about you and your work?
0: I'm not going to tell them. If they want to hire me, they have to work hard and figure it out. There you go.
2: I like that. It's the, uh, the, <laughs> the attitude. Uh, yeah how Uh, how badly do you want me
0: instead of my website plug I will actually plug Andrea's work the uh, COVID isolation stuff was
2: gorgeous so I will plug your work oh thanks Noah
5: that's
2: wonderful uh, alright great well you'll be able to find Noah's link uh, in our show notes if you really want him that badly or just google him he's on the google machine alright Ron you got anything for us before we sign off uh, aloha Hi, <laughs> oh, uh, Evelyn.
4: Just keeping at it. I'll be, I'll be covering the protests. <laughs> i right.
2: continue
4: to evolve. Yep.
2: Keep on rocking the free world. All right,
1: uh, Travis. Um, I, my show Open Talk returns uh, next. This coming Thursday, uh, and uh, we have a fantastic guest, Samantha Isom, who uh, is uh, founder of Brown Passport, uh, and she's a uh, uh, a has put a wonderful uh, series together on uh, traveling and what it's like to be uh, a black person in America and, uh, and and the world traveling as a black person and uh, and those conversations and stuff like that which is one of the very uh, interesting projects she's working on a, a bunch of other stuff so we do a, we delve the open talk is now kind of morphed into uh, inside the actors playhouse for photographers mm-hmm. so uh, it's a nice long delve into uh, where she started her roots and uh, where she's uh, at now and uh, the state of the world so um, that's uh, you can find us on American photographic Artists channel on uh, uh, YouTube, and uh, that'll be preparing on uh, 7 p.m. on Thursday.
2: All right, 7 p.m. Thursday, great. All right, well, I think that's going to bring us to the end of this week's show. If you'd like to carry on the conversation, you can find us on all our social media channels, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And most importantly, Patreon. If you'd like to support the show financially, throw us a bone. Uh, Buck will get you access to everything we do, early access, and all that fun stuff. So, uh, go to that. And if you want to get links to all the stuff we talked about, to include our show notes and our social media, go to aroundthelens.com, and you'll find all of that there. All right. Well, thank you, Noah. Thank you, Andrea. Truly appreciate you all taking thank time you. and getting up right and early for us in this show. I Truly appreciate it. Noah, go to go to bed, get some rest, take a break. <laughs> Um, relax, uh, Evelyn. Travis, you, you, your day just started. You just got
1: greet in the morning. You know, greet in the day. I'm, I'm I'm going straight from this to recording and, a new episode of Open Talk right oh after my this. Gosh, Ron. <laughs> and Ron, um, Ron,
2: go back to bed. Go back to bed, Ron. Let's <laughs> go back to bed. All right. Thanks you all so much, uh, guests and co-hosts. I truly appreciate all of your time for Around the Lens episode 232. I am David J Murphy, and we are out.
0: Thanks for listening to Around the Lens. We hope you enjoyed the show. To continue the conversation, head on over to one of our social media outlets such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or Twitter. To support the show financially, consider donating to us via Patreon. For show notes from this week's episode and links to everything else we talked about, just go to our website, AroundTheLens.com.
1: Finally, if you or someone you know might be a good guest for the show, get in touch with us via email at info at aroundthelens.com.